Sitting at the house of mercy on the water's edge Was a man who met the Savior, so the gospel said Waiting there he was with the lepers and the lame For an angel it was told, down from heaven came near and far just to sit here at the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir we're just sitting at the house of mercy waiting for the waters to stir know the litany, climate crisis, Me Too, Trump, climate crisis, pandemic, George Floyd, racial reckoning, fires, earthquake, hurricanes, flood, fires, fire, fire, yell it all you want. There are no more crowded theaters. It's great to see everyone here on this fine Labor Day weekend. I I hope you did something fun or you're going to do something fun tomorrow, have a picnic or something. I don't know. Um, I'm just wondering if you... Are you mean like as opposed to this? <laughs> <laughs> no. Sure. No, Not I to think. top, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. in addition, yeah. other fun things. Yeah. yeah. I just was wondering if people had discussed among themselves switching sides from where you usually sit, because this isn't the first Sunday I've noticed it. <laughs> she wasn't here. <laughs> oh, you all discussed it. Without me. <laughs> I mean, it was meant to be a surprise, but, <laughs> but yeah, this is, yeah. Anyway, yeah. great to have you here. Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs> hey, uh, you see, what, what we uh, discussed, it was really Eric, actually. Right. Um, because a lot of people were sitting on this. Actually, actually everybody, everybody was. was and I think it was because of the awesome spirit power of this band. Just like, right? It's like... <laughs> You look like some, like, you know, hippie family band or something, you know, we, we, we kind which of, is a positive thing. We, we actually, it, it's a little worse than that. Um, <laughs> so Eloise is my daughter. Henry is one of my sons. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy is actually Eloise's godfather. Okay. Jonah and his family actually are Henry's godfather. <laughs> so it's like the family and Ange. And Ange. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Hey, so yeah, it, it, in a way we are in a way, related. Yeah. Right. Well, so I'm so glad to and, have you and, all here. And Jeremy plays in a band with Angie, and Jeremy's a ranch hand. So I guess there's yeah, it's there. all, all family yeah, right so, yeah, there. Yeah. We go. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, Angie is my godfather. Whoa. <laughs> so it's all yeah. Hey, in a couple weeks, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday is Youngster Sunday. That's when we yeah. start our classes. Our Youngster program starts back up. We're going to thank Susie for her service and welcome Nancy as our new Youngster director. Um, 
If you're interested in teaching uh, a class, I'm not sure how it's all going to work this year. I don't think we know how anything's going to work with COVID. But if you're interested in teaching a class, you should talk to Nancy, because we do need teachers. So that's Nancy back there with Helen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's great. So that's, and then, so that's in two weeks, Youngster Sunday. Three weeks is the Feast of Jonah, which uh, we've one of our uh, favorite feasts services at House of Mercy, and this year is going to be as well <laughs> as the last year's. No, we, we don't really know. We've still got three weeks away, which like a lot of great stuff can happen in three weeks, so it could just get bigger and better, um, but we're, there's usually, there's play, we're gonna, there's going to be feasting, Oh yeah. and there's going to be music, and it's just going to be a great time, and of course, the liturgy of Jonah, if you, uh, yeah. Three weeks, come. If you haven't experienced a Feast of Jonah yet, you should definitely come. If you have, you know, you look forward to the, the rocks and the yeah. water and all that. Okay. Yeah. Is that it? I think that's it. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. Nearer, my God, to Thee, nearer to Thee, e'en though it be a cross that raiseth me. again. Nearer, my God, to Thee, nearer to Thee. Please join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, if we come here weary, we ask for something to revive us a little. Some faith or hope, a few crumbs would be enough. However we feel sitting here now, fine and happy, or a little hopeless, or somewhere in between, remind us that love and mercy and justice will prevail somehow, in some way, eventually somewhere. 
And may that help us do the next right thing. Be a little more merciful, a little more loving, a little more aware of what justice is. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. Also with you. Let's share a safe sign of peace. So we also happen to be your special <laughs> special music tonight too. <laughs> Um, Henry and I, as along with our brother Ted, we play Irish music at the Center for Irish Music. Um, yeah, so we're gonna play a couple Irish tunes for you. Um, yeah. The first one we're gonna play is called The Road to Garrison in the Merry Days of Easter. The reels. Are you? No, that's the wrong one. You're playing the wrong one. <laughs> oh, yeah.
I invite you to join me now in the prayers of community. I'll end each prayer petition with God on your mercy, and I invite you to respond here our prayer. Let's pray. God of mercy, to be honest, it's a little frustrating that we have to keep worrying about whether or not women will be treated as fully human beings in so many places. We pray for girls and women who are eager to learn in Afghanistan, that they will be able to experience the satisfaction of exercising the full range of their capacities as humans to work and create and love and read and walk around outside freely. We pray for the many women across our nation who are afraid of losing rights they have gained over many reformations. We pray for women who are abused by their partners, those who have been raped and sexually abused across all times and places, for those who can't love their bodies because they've been objectified or subject to absurd standards of judgment. We pray for those who have been shamed for their weight or age or shape. Of course, it's not just women. There are so many humans who are not regarded as equal or worthy. We pray for justice and freedom and a lively, broad, thrilling transformation of, of oppressive judgments, norms, and cruelty. God, in your mercy, God of mercy, we pray that real progress might be made in the struggle against the pandemic, that vaccines will reach the less advantaged nations, that science will not be co-opted by capitalism, that people who are energized by partisan divides might be moved by compassion, softened by love. We pray for those who are hospitalized and struggling and for those who are afraid. We pray that ch as children go back to school, they'll be safe for teachers and parents. Help us help each other. Help people grow in kindness and respect and compassion. God, in your mercy, God of mercy, thank you for rain and for green grass and flowers. Thank you for every time we can enjoy the fruits of our labor. Thank you for our capacity to imagine and transform. Thank you for language and music and good books and birds. God, in your mercy, we pray that we will remember now the people we know need healing, who are facing chemo or enormous change, tragedy, death. Also help us remember what we're grateful for as we pause now for extended silence. Gather all the prayers of all the people into your arms. Amen.
song, Thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing Thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise His name, I'm fixed upon it. Name of God's redeeming love. Hitherto Thy love has blessed me. Thou hast brought me to this place. And I know Thy hand will bring me safely home by Thy good grace. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, bought me with His precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. The scripture reading tonight is from Mark 7, 24 through 30. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice, but a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. The word of the Lord. I mean, people do ask about the painting, this painting up here. Folks, even folks who've been a part of House of Mercy for a long time, who've been a part of our scrappy, quirky, little House of Mercy church that could, they'll catch me at, uh, at a moment where maybe we both happen to be standing in front of the painting, and they might say something like, uh, oh, I always wanted to tell you that uh, I really really like that painting. It's uh, really, you know, they leave a lot of space in between the words, hoping that I'm just going to kind of like, you know, 
jump in there like a House of Mercy docent with a, like, a succinct description and explanation of the imagery and the intent of the artist on a three-by-five card. It's uh, engaging. What I usually say is, yeah, matching their head nod. You know, or they're maybe very purposefully, they'll approach me with, with their child. Uh, the child at their side, and they'll, they'll look to the child and say, now, do you want to ask the Reverend Russell your question about the painting? And the, the kid they might hide behind the parent or, or point at the painting and say, uh, well, a lot of the kids' questions are usually about the dog. They're like, why is there a dog? Is the dog sad? What kind of a dog is it? Even like people who are visiting ask about the painting. And more than one or two of your parents that maybe happen to visit you on a Sunday and come to church with you, um, maybe for a baptism or a Christmas play, they have approached me. And they give me that pleasant nod, it's always the nod, that says like, I don't know, hey, we're just all like, together, worshiping, you know, like uh, doing a church thing, like your perfectly normal church. Um, and they still say something like, uh, looking at the painting, uh, I really like the music. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, they're, they're really good. They're really good. And um, then they might just, you know, casually hook their thumb towards the painting and say, you know, tell me about that painting right there. Tell me a little bit more about it. And I usually tell them it's uh, oil on canvas, a painting by one of our liturgical artists, Jim Larson. And then when they look like they want a little bit more information, I add, uh, oh, he's uh, married to Reverend Debbie. Oh, most will say, you know, like, like maybe that I had asked the question that they really were, wanted, to, wanted the answer to, um, but I know that I didn't, and we smile and shake hands and move along. You know, but some will stick it out and just straight up ask, what does it mean? Why is it there? It's kind of dark for a church, don't you think? Well, I mean, I don't know, what, what can I say? Is it kind of dark? Yeah, it is kind of dark, um, yeah. I mean, and some people really act strongly to it, I mean, are like almost offended by it. And I mean, it is unusual for an altar painting. I mean, not unusual for House of Mercy if you've seen any of our other altar paintings, but uh, maybe it is. Um, it's actually our third altar painting. All of them have been painted by Jim, who, in case you were wondering, is married to Reverend Debbie. Um, and he painted this uh, in uh, 2012 on the occasion of our move from our second location on South Snelling to the Hamlin United Methodist Church. So we were there for four years, I believe, and then six years at Hamlin United Methodist Church, of course, 12 years before at First Baptist Church, the original uh, 
yeah, we have moved a lot, 25 years. Um, and then, you know, now we're here. I actually did talk about this painting one other time, the last time it came up in the lectionary, this, this text that Julie read for us, um, which was actually three years ago, because this lectionary is in a three-year cycle. And it, I talked about it because in this Sunday in the lectionary, because it does seem like this painting is sort of taken from this pericope in Mark 7, when it talks about the woman and the scraps and the children and the dog. And I say it seems like it's taken from that because not being uh, the House of Mercy docent, I had not really talked that much to Jim about the artist's intent. Um, so yes, yeah, so last time I stood before you to preach on this kind of very strange text. I think it's kind of a strange text. I mean, we like a strange text here. We like to, you know, when we say we question the task, ask the questions. Um, but this text, sometimes I just, I do not know what to do with it. But anyway, three years ago when this text came up before, and I talked about this painting, um, it was actually three years ago this Sunday was our first Sunday in this space. The first time we ever met here. And um, you know when you like, you go look at an apartment and it just seems awesome and you can hardly wait to move in and then you move in and you're like, was that stained there before? Didn't the bedroom seem a little bit bigger when we were here before? Do you smell a smell? We were having that feeling a little bit. We didn't really know quite if this was our place or the right place for us, but we did have something we brought with us. We had our altar, we had all the stuff, and we had this, this altar painting. Um, we had planned that first Sunday to have some big sort of, like a big housewarming. But just in talking to the people whose great church um, at Bethlehem that we were moving into, it just kind of didn't seem like it was the right time the first week to let them see all of us. <laughs> we maybe thought we might need to like ease into it a little bit. I don't know. I even I found this email that I'd sent to the board. It says, uh, "Hey everyone, always upbeat. Hey everyone, I wanted to update you about this Sunday, our first service in the new space. Debbie and I have agreed that this is not really going to be the big house of mercy, housewarming blessing service that we had planned. It seems like in getting to know our host." congregation, that the theme should be something a little bit more like a slow and steady wins the race kind of a thing. We don't want to scare them off. So this is going to be more like the first night in a new apartment, not a big housewarming. It's going to be, you know, there's stuff, there's a lot of stuff still in boxes, and we haven't completely moved in. Well, three years later, we we are completely moved in. And uh, it seems like the people in our host church, they've seen all of us and uh, they still like us. So, and uh, the smell kind of went away maybe. And uh, there's still some stains, but let's be honest, some of them we made. Well, here. 
We did eventually have a, um, a housewarming here um, that following uh, May 5th on our 24th anniversary. Actually, we said it was our 24th anniversary, but we're not good with details. It was really our 23rd, but we'd already printed everything, so we just kept saying 24. Um, yeah, so two years ago was our 24th anniversary, and this year was our 25th. So, um, yeah. And uh, that's when we consecrated the musician's altar we have up here at that time. We wrote a special song for the occasion, uh, In These Troubled Times, which turned out to be a little more prophetic than we would have liked. Um, yeah, three years ago, we moved in here. We had that, and then nine months later, we stopped meeting in person. Yeah, I mean, it was weird. We've been here, half the time we've been here, almost half the time we've been here, we haven't been here. So we're kind of coming back now, and uh, we had planned to have another big, wide open, we're calling it, uh, next week, I believe. Um, but we're not going to have that because of COVID and the Dell thing, and we're going to have another big, we're going to have the Youngster Sunday, and then we're going to have another Feast of Jonah. We thought, let's just have it then. Um, because that big opening was going to be back to communion the way we regularly do, the coffee, the social time, feasting, everything. Because, well, we thought things would be different. But uh, I guess they're the same. They're different. Okay, so this verse, like this painting. Well, one thing, when you make an altar painting like this, it has to be something that can stand the scrutiny of people not paying attention to the sermon and just looking at that instead because, you know, something, they're just, they look at it over and over. And so to look at the same painting, sit and look at it over and over again, week after week, it has to, I don't know, and this gym is fantastic, like this, it, it, it's sort of like the layers reveal themselves over time. And it always happens to me, like when I'm sitting and listening to Debbie preach, it seems like she, the, her sermons are in conversation with this painting. There's so many different things going on in it. But it's not to say, I mean, I'm not ignoring your parents or your children or you when you're asking about the painting. I'm just, I don't know that much more than you do, even though I have looked at it quite a bit. But I do think it is taken from this text we read because, um, well, so Jesus, this is, uh, God, this is the Gospel of Mark, he goes off to Tyre. He was, you know, in the, around Galilee. Remember, he was going all through Mark. He's going back and forth in this boat, sometimes with his disciples, sometimes he's walking on the water. And he's doing a miracle on um, the Hebrew side of the lake, the sea, and then he goes over to the, uh, the Gentile side, and he does the exact same thing. He feeds, right, the 5,000 on um, one side, and then he goes to the Gentile side, feeds the 4,000. He heals uh, someone possessed on this side. He crosses and heals somebody possessed this. And it seems like Jesus is kind of going back and forth across the sea, tying these two people together, saying that there is no difference. We're all, you know, one. That the definition of children of Israel, of children of God, is bigger. 
And I, we can see in here that there's definitely a boat in here, so, and that's the lake, maybe. He's going back and forth across here. Uh, a hand is coming out and is holding a rope, to, holding the boat on, on this dock, kitchen floor dock, I don't know. Um, so it seems like it comes from there. And then there's, so he's in Tyre, which is way up north outside of that area, and it is very much a uh, Gentile city, Gentile region. So he goes there because he, he wants to get away. But he could not escape them. Even then, they, somehow people recognize him even up there. And this woman comes up to him who has this daughter who is, has been possessed. And she comes before him and uh, Jesus and bows down and says, will, will you come and lay your hands on my daughter? Now, if this sounds familiar, because we've seen it a bunch of times, we saw it sort of at the beginning of all this healing when um, a leader of the synagogue came to Jesus and said the same thing about his daughter. And on the way there, you remember that uh, this woman who had been bleeding for 12 years kneels down in front of Jesus when she gets healed by touching his garment. So she's playing, she's kind of playing Jairus, the leader, but she's also playing the woman who needed healing in this. Uh... So to me, I see this woman... Is this, is this who this is? So he says this to Jesus, and here's the weird thing, right? Jesus does not respond well for the first time. He says, she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter, and he says to her, let the children be fed first, for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. So the children, the, uh, the plain meaning, the children, children of Israel, they should be fed first, and this is who Jesus is coming there for. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Not nice. I mean, not nice at all. This doesn't seem like, I mean, Jesus and Mark can be a little bit cranky, but it's usually to somebody who in, in power or to his disciples or something like that, but this is a woman who's sincerely coming in great need. Let the children be fed first. It's not fair to take the children through it to the dogs. But she answers him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he says to her, For saying that, you may go. And the demon left, has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. This is weird. For saying that, is it just because she's witty? that Jesus heals her daughter? Something actually, uh, I think this woman, and she looks, I don't know, she looks very tired in this, uh, in this, in this painting, if indeed that is the woman. Um, Where's Jesus, though, in this painting, though? I just am thinking about this now. Because he's not, you'd think, oh, a baby Jesus with a receding hairline. I don't, I don't think just Jesus, this is the children maybe, the children of Israel. Is that the child he's talking about? Because the dog is under that child's table, so maybe that's the dog who gets the scraps. And why is she even bringing this up? Because, I don't know, in a way, it could be Jesus, though, in a way, I'm just wondering, I see that there's a, like a, on that table, it's almost altar-like, there's a candle, there's 
uh, a, a chalice like for communion. There's no bread. Of course, Jesus is the bread, right, of life. Looks like he's about to be the crumbs too, if that is Jesus, that might feed the dog. I don't know. Um, another thing that I think is really like, this woman is smart, or this woman, I don't know who it is, in this text, when she says, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs, she's actually uh, quoting Psalm 17. And in Psalm 17, though, in Psalm 17, it's not a very nice thing. She's doubling down on this whole thing here. In Psalm 17, it's a psalm where David is asking for God to protect him from his enemies. He says, rise up, O Lord, confront my enemies, overthrow them. By your sword, deliver my life from the wicked, from mortals, by your own hand, O Lord, from the mortals whose portion in life in this, whose portion is in this world. May their bellies be full with what you have stored up for them. And may even their children have more than enough that there will even be crumbs left over for the dogs. But David isn't talking about feeding them. He's talking about God's wrath. David is asking, God, have so much wrath that my enemies will be filled with your wrath that there will even be enough wrath left over for their children and even more, even for their dogs. I do not understand this. And usually when I don't understand something like this, I go to James Allison, our... Uh, patron saint, and uh, which we have introduced the altar to St. Allison since we've moved in here. And if you remember, we uh, actually sainted him here, and he came, which is fantastic. But uh, he said of much of this, he said, um, I don't really know. And he's usually right. So here we have this text that is unclear. And here we have this altar painting that I have to think, right, Jim is a great theologian and so many of his paintings you see around here, it's just steeped in so much theology. And so I know that he thinks deeply and clearly and isn't doing this He's, he's, I don't know, he's, some, he's doing something that I think must be theologically rich and, uh, and, and is unfolding and maybe even changing. But he's also thinking about who we are as a community. This crazy, this weird kind of church that um, we've moved here, there, around. We've, we've gone through so many different things, like even moving here when we weren't quite sure, sure, and then not even being here half that time. And then in that time that we weren't here, so much also happened with George Floyd and the uprising, the racial reckoning, and all that happened around this neighborhood, this our new home. So is Jesus being mean here? I... I 
I don't, I mean, that doesn't seem like Jesus, but I wanted to, I wanted to try and figure something out. And so I went to, I actually pulled off my introduction to theology book. Let's me start at the beginning. And uh, written by this Guthrie's great theologian. And he says, you know, it's not, um, we can only know who Jesus is by hearing his story, and we can only know who this Jesus is and what his story is by what we believe about this Jesus. That doesn't seem like it contains much <laughs> at all. But we do House of Mercy, a quirky thing about us, maybe a lot of times people think we're kind of a very progressive church, I guess, theologically left, I mean, but, uh, but we're really, but the left people think we like, we're too into Jesus, you know, which is too much. So that makes us this odd kind of thing because we don't know exactly what we think about every text or this whole Jesus thing, but we do have some very particular things that we have since the beginning, wherever we've moved, that we've kept right before us, and that we know, we know that Jesus is the one who has this radical mercy, radical meaning unquestionable mercy that belongs to everyone, that is for everyone, that is for both sides, no sides, all sides, that, that Jesus will heal the Gentile, Jesus heals the children of God, Jesus, of course, feeds everyone, the dogs, the pagans, the uh, babies with receding hairlines, that there is something there for all of us and that we are compelled by this story to, uh, to come and to, to take it inside us and to try and to try live it out, this radical mercy. Because we know in the end that Jesus feeds all of us. So in the four different places we've been, we know that this is what makes us who, who we are. It's not where we are. It's this weird community gathered around this, questioning this, trying to understand this big radical mercy. Now, take a good look at this painting we've been talking about. And uh, it's been, we've had it for quite some time, since 2012. Maybe you can remember this by the Deep Horizon oil spill in the back of it when it was painted there. Um, take a look at it now because whatever it's saying to us and however it reveals itself to us, it's going away. Because Jim has painted a new one. And when we all come together for the Feast of Jonah, we're going to dedicate that new altar piece. I haven't seen it. I don't know anything about it. But one thing I do know that it will be something that will, we will be able to look at for years and years to come. It will compel us to continue to ask the questions that we do 
And we'll be able to sit and ask those questions because we are all compelled by this radical mercy. Now, I, we, when we put this up three years ago, we never could have guessed where we would be, what we would have gone through. And so I think we're kind of used to not projecting that far into advance, like three years. <laughs> but we can be assured that we will be continuing to be drawn together in this house of mercy by this radical mercy. So thank you for being part of this house of mercy. Welcome to it. This is God's table and all are welcome. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, gave thanks for it and broke it and gave it to the disciples to eat saying, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this and remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave the cup for all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. memories unseen angels sent from somewhere to my soul how they linger ever near me and the sacred past unfolds precious In the stillness of the midnight Echoes from the past I hear Old time singing and is bringing From that lovely land Oh 
You've been listening to the House of Mercy podcast. You can experience all this live every Sunday at 5. Check houseofmercy.org for all the details. House of Mercy is a church in St. Paul. You should come. It's not that bad. Precious memories and how they linger, how they ever flood my soul. In the stillness of the midnight, precious sacred scenes unfold. Precious sacred scenes unfold.